Welcome to Welcome to the Hollowell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this week it's the return of... Yeah, yeah, that's about right. This week it's the return of Leo in Love Hurts. Love Hurts. Which is... Episode 21 of season 1. Wow, we're in the home stretch here. Next next week is the finale. This is <gasps> this is the penultimate episode of season 1. Wow. Just flew by. It did. Boy, they got rid of the main villains of this uh, season really, really fast, didn't they? Well, yeah, it, I mean, this season doesn't really follow the Buffy well, a, a, and later to be charmed formula of like little bad, big bad. We did have those reoccurring villains that then got vanquished, but there, this was really a monster of the week season. Is that not a thing in other genre shows like this i don't know maybe it's just once upon a time and like the magicians and stuff but i feel like it's just such a thing for genre shows to have you know you have this season spanning big bad and then you have like the little bad you defeat halfway through i think it's the standard for modern shows but i really feel like buffy was the first show to kind of do it that way Mm. i'm thinking of other shows that were coming out around that time and it seems like all of their shows were villain of the week shows i mean we've talked about how x files was villain of the week and and the fact that there were mythology episodes that's not the same thing as having an overarching season-long villain yeah and um this one's kind of silly, but I'm thinking about the Dresden Files TV show that they did. For like 15 seconds. For like 15 seconds. But I remember when I was watching it, I felt like one of the problems with it was that they were doing it as villain of the week when what they should have been doing was season-long arcs of individual novels instead of like... Yo, I was about to say, didn't they do that weird thing where it was like each book was one episode? Yes! What were they even thinking? God, I saw that actor in something else, and I remember Googling him because I'm like, that look, guy looks kind of familiar, and then I was like, oh, I saw like three episodes, maybe. Okay, so I saw it so, I saw it when it aired and never again, so was it, oh, okay, sorry, I I, I just Googled it, it was Paul Blackthorne, hmm. who's on Arrow. okay. He's one of those perennial, hey, it's that guy. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm like, oh, I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He had reoccurring roles in ER and 24. Wow. Yeah. You'd recognize him if you saw him. Again, a perennial, hey, it's that guy. But also, you know, I, he looks to me like, what's his name? The guy who plays Sherlock in Elementary? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. You mean the good Sherlock Holmes show. The good Sherlock Holmes show. Yeah, yeah, he kind of looks like he kind of looks like Johnny Lee Miller to me. Yeah. Except weirdly cuter? Oh, no, I can see. He's a more marketable Johnny Lee Miller. Which is weird because Elementary obviously is way more popular than anything Paul Blackthorne was ever in. Yeah. Well, in a uh, starring capacity. Right, 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 right. Which I kind of want to watch that other Johnny Lee Miller show that was on the air for like 10 seconds. Do you remember it? It was Eli Stone. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was part of that thing where they had a bunch of shows where god talks to people through various means one of my friends in college was really into that show when it was airing but i never watched it okay i i've only seen one thing from it and it's uh i don't know if god gives him a vision or or visions or talks to him through people or whatever but uh god warns him about an earthquake 
through a giant organized whole cast uh number of i feel the earth move under my feet wait are you sure you're not thinking about zoe's infinite playlist no no this is this is from eli stone wild yeah and i'm like if that was the i mean if i we should watch one or have you been watching zoe's infinite playlist without me because i was like i'm not sure if i can watch it because it seems kind of depressing also i have mixed feelings on skylar aston and i was okay with him in it when i was like oh he's just her gay best friend but then the episode ends with him being like hey i'm actually a romantic uh i'm actually a romantic interest in this series and i'm like oh god diet greg (laughs) charmed so yeah, Charmed. This episode was directed by James Whitmore Jr. I'm assuming in between shoving people from a less popular frat off of his yacht. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he does have a very um, frat-sounding name. Hoity-toity. Yeah. Weirdly, this is the only episode of Charmed he ever did, but he's like, if you look at his IMDb, he's done like one or two episodes of everything. I'm assuming All, all the procedural shows. Yeah. I feel like he's like a... A session artist, as far as, like, the the session artist of directors. Did daddy get him those jobs? I'm I mean, just uh, If he's credited as a junior, his dad has to do stuff too, right? Yeah, his dad's an actor too. I, I forget who I saw tweeting it, but somebody was like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to take you seriously if when I click on your Wikipedia, both your parents are clickable names. <laughs> he's that kind of guy. Yeah. Although, uh, just... Uh, I mean, that's not fair because, you know, Zoe Kravitz exists. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, we've been watching um, Star Trek Lower Decks. Yeah. And the main guy in that is uh, Susan Sarandon's son. Oh! With And Tim Robbins? Yeah. With whoever she was not married to, they were together for a while. But... I think they're still together. I think they've been together for, like, decades, even though they No, I, I thought they broke up a few years ago. Oh, And did it was they? a big thing, because oh. they were together for so long. Well, that's okay. She doesn't deserve happiness, because she was out there saying people shouldn't vote for Hillary Clinton in 2016, so... Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, he he's one of those people who, like, he kind of had a little bit of a career in other stuff... Mm-hmm. And then, like, I'm not sure if the if Star Trek Lower Decks is, like, a big break for him because he's doing the voice on an animated show, which it's a big deal if you're, like, making the jump from podcast to doing that. As, like, as the other main character is, she's she's the host, she's the co-host of Yo, Is This Racist, which I listen to, and hearing her voice but not her, it's, like, it... it it warps my mind a little bit yeah so like if you're hosting a podcast and then you get a role on an animated show it's a big thing but if your parents are two really famous people and then you get a job like as a voice actor as the main voice actor on an animated show it's a lot less of a big thing especially if you were in some live action stuff but not a ton i mean i think it depends on what you want to do i would say Mark Hamill, despite being Luke Skywalker, didn't really come into his own until he started doing voice acting. He's such a phenomenal voice actor. And it's... I mean, he was he was Luke Skywalker, one of the most iconic roles of the 20th century. And yet, I feel like he didn't really hit his stride until, until... someone was like, hey, talk into this microphone. Well, until he became the Joker. Oh my god. Talk about iconic. Yes. Like... Seriously, how can you imagine the Batman the Animated Series if they'd kept uh, Dr. Frankenfurter? 
Tim Curry was the Joker in the original Batman the Animated Series? Tim Curry recorded lines to be the Joker in Batman the Animated Series, and then they ended up going with Mark Hamill. Okay, I, I don't think that would have necessarily been bad. I, I mean, you know no. I love Tim Curry. No, I think Tim Curry would have done... But it would have been a completely different take on it. Yeah, yeah. Mark Hamill bring, brings a completely different energy to the character than Tim Curry would have. Which I love. I love Tim Curry, don't get me wrong. And it would have been fascinating to see that take. But just Mark Hamill is so iconic in that role. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh... Anyway, I saw... Uh, I nearly got into this thing online which eh, about star trek lower decks where uh, someone was talking about how oh i don't like it it's too rick and morty-ish you know that main character's an alcoholic and she's cynical it's just you know rick sanchez jr i'm like well i mean she drinks but she's not cynical but the whole yeah she's nothing like rick yeah like the whole thing is she's genuinely in love with the universe and she's angry that the only way that she can get to experience it is through the lens of the federation i mean i would say she's the opposite of cynical because she has she's an idealist for whom the federation is not idealistic enough i I, that's pretty much as far as from a cynic as you can get i posted this big long comment about it and then i posted it and then i was like oh crap i became one of those guys who's explaining star trek to a woman even though she clearly knows star trek much better than him but i'm like also that's just such a bad reading of the character like on its face it's a bad reading of the character she ends the first episode by giving this long speech about how much she loves space. I'm like, how are you getting this character as cynical from that? I mean, we talked about it before, but Lower Decks, unlike, you know, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies, is obviously made by people who, go figure, actually like Star Trek. Mm. Okay, so for Star Trek movies and comic book movies, yeah, I feel like there should be a rule now. That you're not allowed to do a take on the property, you know, an officially licensed take on the property. Obviously, go write what you want. Copyright on these legacy properties is destroying innovation. But you shouldn't be allowed to do an official take on these properties if you think they need to be fixed. Mm. Like, you shouldn't be allowed to do a take where you fix Superman or where you fix Star Trek by making it Star Wars, J.J. Abrams. They're different properties. Okay, I have this whole thing with David S. Goyer, who... Uh, Why do people keep letting him do superhero media? He's been very upfront about not liking superhero movies, but he's written, like, half of the superhero movies that have come out in the past... Well, for WB. I mean, I started... I started... I wrote him off when he made those comments about She-Hulk, who you know is my girl! You mean when he said that She-Hulk is just a giant green porn star they created so that the Hulk could have someone to have sex with? Which, she's his cousin! It's... Like, doesn't even understand, like, the baseline of what the character is. Well, and that was in the same interview where he said anyone who's heard of the Martian Manhunter has never had sex, ignoring the fact that the Martian Manhunter was in the Justice League cartoon, which everyone in our generation had seen okay so i just want to throw something out there when you make comments about nerd culture and you refer to like people who are into nerd culture as being like virgins like oh all these virgins in their basement playing D &D," or oh all these virgin comic book guys yeah one of the things that you're really doing is gatekeeping women 
and gay people out of the fandom. Like, there have always been women in fandom, and there have always been queer people in the fandoms. So to say that you're not having sex completely ignores the fact that, you know... And, and you know what? We get enough of that from in the fandom. We don't need people outside of the fandom being like, oh, women are into science fiction just because they invented the genre, and also probably the most important person in modern sci-fi... Is Lucille Ball. Is Lucille Ball. Which, the thing that infuriates me about that, that comes up all the time, is every joke in pop culture about Star Trek conventions. Oh, I heard that there's a woman here. Star Trek conventions were started by women. Thank you. Like, I don't think I know any dude Star Trek fans in real life. Like, I think I knew one guy. Me too. A couple. Yeah. But, like... Although the, the the one I'm thinking of right now, his wife is a way more hardcore Star Trek fan than he is. It's this. It's such a bizarre thing where they're like, oh, this is the most iconic version of X. Clearly, it must only be for dudes. Even in a condescending negative context, like, it's misogynistic as all get out. I'm sorry. We were and so- heteronormative. And heteronormative. I'm sorry. We this were- episode was written. <laughs> Thank you. thank you charmed this episode was written by chris levinson zach estron and javier grillo marxonch like the go-to writers for charm they're like story editors on the show so i feel like they get credited a lot and i get i you know you put all you put all your ideas on the board for which episodes you want to write i feel like if somebody doesn't have a strong feeling about one they're the ones who jump in and write it i don't know if that's accurate but Based on the way the credits look, that's what it looks like to me. Just going down what they wrote in season one. Mm -hmm. Thank you for not morphing. Dead man dating. The truth is out there. Dot, dot, dot. And it hurts. Sorry, I'm uh, only only able to refer to that episode that way. Yeah. Uh, Feats of Clay. Is there a woogie in the house? Which Prue is it anyway? And this one. So, you real, know. Real mixed bag. Yeah, I mean, there's some great ones in there. There's some terrible ones in there. There's some middle ones in there. I feel like they're just, you know, they're, they're, the, they're I, this whole episode, which is funny because this is a pretty important episode. Yeah. As far as world building and bringing Leo back. Mm. But it, it feels like they went with the... Uh, cleanup crew the cleanup crew yeah i didn't want to say the b team because it's not that they're the b team they're 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 steady they're consistent but you know just the nobody who feels passionately strongly about this just you know the guys who come in and do it the workhorses they yes exactly which again they can do really good episodes but i i mean if this feels like it should have been a constance and burge episode as far as the importance to it in the mythology yeah and i feel like we can't really blame feats of clay on them because feats of clay had oh, like no, seven no, no. writers yeah it did i i listed them but yeah it was also although yeah but it was also i mean thank you for not morphing is michael paracorn and greg elliott also wrote on feats of clay mm. so we should actually get to the episode itself okay so this episode opens with uh-oh Uh blonde woman god it does not pay to be blonde and charmed nope or apparently farscape we learned last week yes 
So it opens on a blonde woman. And she's she's scared. She's out, She feels like she's being followed. She's running to her car. She drops her groceries that she's carrying and cuts her hand on some glass in the bag. And then the person comes up behind her and it's Leo. Yeah, she, she's clearly running from someone. Uh, this woman's name is Daisy. She, you know, Leo comes up from behind. She's like, oh. Oh, Leo, thank God it's you. Well, this is what this is important, right? This is establishing that this is someone Leo has been working with. We see he heals her. He heals the cut on her hand. Okay, so he's been working with her, and she knows clearly about some magic stuff, but she doesn't know that he's a white lighter. Uh, She just knows that there's a guy who's after her and magic is real but she's not a witch so she's in this kind of limbo she doesn't know leo is a white lighter which seems like kind of a thing that one should maybe have brought up earlier okay so i feel like what happened with her because we we do really just jump into the middle of her story and she and leo which i like i do like when they throw us in oh yeah absolutely not not a criticism she and leo are on the street and they get approached by alec who is the the dark lighter that we're going to meet this episode. Hoo boy. But the situation is that Alec is in love with her and he kind of had a romance that turned to a stalking. He fell in love with her because she was... Charge isn't the right word for dark lighters, is it? Okay. 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 So I feel like almost everything we learn about dark lighters in this episode is not the deal with dark lighters later in the show. Yeah, I mean, that's true. <laughs> I feel like later in the show, dark lighters just show up to kill future white lighters and current white lighters. Well, she's a future white lighter. Daisy is a future white lighter. She is, but they throw in all this other stuff, like, about how dark dark lighters thing is that they go around and they impregnate women with their evil seed, and Daisy was going to be one of those women, but then he fell in love with her. And also they have like a death touch and also they can do all this other. I mean, white lighters can do all of this stuff in this episode that, you know. I mean, white the, the rules for white lighters aren't consistent. I don't see why rules for dark lighters should be on this show. Point. Uh, the dark lighter shows up and he's like, Daisy, I can tell you're here. And Leo's like, don't worry, Daisy. I used my white lighter powers to shield you from him. He can't see you at all. So maybe don't talk to her if I mean, you can't see or hear or smell or taste or touch her yeah but as, i mean yeah he he still knows that she's nearby so it, i guess I he don't... probably knows her car or whatever yeah yeah so leo tells her to run that uh the dark lighter can't see her leo will take care of the situation she just books it and good not enough people do that on television or in this show right he says, hey, I'm going to take care of this. You just run and save yourself. And she's like, all right, sounds good. I'm going to run and save myself. Yeah. And the Dark Lighter's like, hey, Leo, what the hell, bro? A few days ago, all I needed to do was think of Daisy and I could dorb. God, Dark Lighters have just the stupidest powers Wait, ever. Wait, did he call it dorb? He doesn't. All, all I needed to do was think of her and I would be right by her side. Dark orb. Yes, but they dark orb. Or Dorb, as I have I have dubbed it. I don't think anyone else calls it that. But, you know, now, thanks to you interfering, suddenly I can't get anywhere near her. I can't see her. What the hell, dude? And Leo's like, yeah, I'm using my magic to protect her. And the only way that you will be able to find her is if you kill me. So you might as well go home. And, but 
But Alec has a different idea, which is which is take the prize behind door number one and kill Leo. Yeah. Like he he, he oh, okay, so he manifests a crossbow and shoots Leo. And can we can we pause for a second and talk about the Dark Lighter crossbow? Because I hate them. Okay. Why do Dark Lighters man because this is a thing. This is a consistent Dark Lighter thing. Okay, okay, okay. Later when we go to the alternate reality where evil always wins, except the charmed ones are evil because they have to always win in every reality. Uh-huh. Uh this is when Prue's been dead for a while. Paige is half Dark Lighter, and we see her manifest because it's part of the dark later power set is being able to manifest crossbows why do you why why is the power set that you know that's what i'm saying why is the power for dark letters that they manifest crossbows and shoot arrows that are specifically deadly to white lighters that's their power and that's fine if they have a power that specifically is deadly to white lighters but why is it generating a machine that shoots like it should be an inherent part of their body like there should be like a a white lighter killing bolt that comes out of their eyes or something it why are they manifesting a crossbow max okay i feel like this ties into the thing that they have for this episode and i don't think ever again uh where they're like dark cupids we'll deal with cupids later in the show but i feel like it's part of the whole thing with them going out and impregnating women with evil Oh, they were trying to make him a dark Cupid. See, that would make more sense if White Lighters were... More directly Cupids. Which they're not. Which, this show has White Lighters, it has Cupids, it has Guardian Angels later. This show is just angels on angels on angels. I mean, honestly, it's it's sloppy that the show has both Guardian Angels and White Lighters. It should just have White Lighters. White Lighters are Guardian Angels. Sloppy, sloppy, sloppy world building. Yes. But... Leo gets shot, and, uh, yeah, this, this is, this is, Leo's return is not going well for him thus far. Yeah. Okay. Mean, meanwhile, Shannon Doherty's boobs. Okay, so at the manor, the girls are going to Cabo. Okay. Sure, fine, okay. I, how could they afford that? Well, wasn't Piper just in Hawaii last episode? I mean, I know that was a... Well, that was a business trip. Presumably work paid all of the expenses for that, so that's fine. But they're going to Cabo for the weekend. They have 48 hours in Cabo, and to maximize the beach time, Prue's going to wear her bikini on the plane. Are we sure Brad Kern didn't write this episode (laughs) in secret? Right? Because it's just, bam, Shannon Doherty's breasts. I, I'm so, also, it doesn't really look like a bikini. It looks like a bra. Yeah, no, she's just wearing a bra. And uh, Phoebe's like, boy, that's really more of a me move. Are right? You, hey, why don't I put on my bra and then we can compare breasts? Because that's what sisters do, right? This episode was written by men. Well, speak. so Phoebe does say, hey, so now that you and Andy have kind of... Finally, I mean, you've been broken up for episodes and episodes, but now it's a clean break because he knows you're a witch, so he's definitely not going to try to get back with you. So let's go have some NSA sex on the beach in Cabo, which is, See, I'm, is... Not, I'm not paraphrasing. That's what that's what Phoebe says, which is fine. I mean, if you want to go have some NSA sex on the beach in Cabo, yeah, our, not now. Yeah, not uh, now. obviously not now, but... Maybe, hopefully, at some time in the future, you will be able to go to Cabo and have as much sex with as uh, 
as Phoebe puts it, empty-headed himbos. Except she used 90s version of himbos, so I think it was like dumb beefcake. Yeah. (laughs) Which, fine. Go for it. Now, the sisters are very concerned because... Piper's bringing books to the beach. My soulmate will be books, to quote The Good Place. Yes, uh, Piper, because of her disastrous relationships in this season, does not want to go have empty sex on the beach. She just wants to sit on the beach and read. To which I say, why not both? But you know what? You do you. I... I Calm down, Phoebe. Just let your sister do what she wants to do to be happy. She doesn't have to have meaningless sex just because that's what you like. And she broke up with Johnny Haircut like two episodes ago. Or last episode? Oh, whatever. No, two episodes ago. But like, Phoebe's listing all of the wreckage on the Piper relationship highway. She's like, warlock, ghost, emotionally unavailable handyman, nerd. (laughs) Which seems pretty harsh on Haircut. I, I would have described him as asshole. Okay, so she, she, I'm sorry, did you call Leo an emotionally unavailable handyman? Isn't that what she calls him? No, that's, that's kind of accurate. I, I, but I like what she actually says, which is geographically undesirable. Mm. I like that term for someone who it's like, oh, they live too far away. We can't really do anything. Yeah. I geographically mean, undesirable. It's weird because adulthood is when you can drive, but it's also when your social circle kind of shrinks to people whose houses you can easily get to. I mean, not anymore, but <sighs> so Prue's Bru- like, really, Phoebe? Like, let her let her decompress a little bit. Well, OK, so Phoebe calls this a slump. This isn't a slump. A slump is when you're not having any sex. This is like a run of bad luck. Yeah. Although even then, I mean, would you say I even then I wouldn't really call this a run of bad luck. OK, dating a warlock, bad luck. Um. Falling for a ghost is kind of bad luck, too. Yeah, falling for a ghost. So that's the thing, right? A warlock trying to date you so that he can kill you and your sisters, that is bad luck. Falling in love after that with three different guys who, for various reasons, you can't be with because they're dead or live in another city. Or suck. Or suck. I mean, I guess he was... I guess he technically moved, and he's like, do you want to move with me? And she's like, we've been on, like, three dates, dude. Come on. Like, it's not bad luck. It's, I, I just hate to break it to you, sisters, but that's just what dating is. I, I mean, usually the problems are not supernatural in origin, but that's just what dating is. Well, from way, way in the future of the show, there's a there's a bit where Piper's complaining that she, you know, she's a witch, so she can't just ever have a normal day when she isn't able to get a massage because Leo locked himself out of the house during one of the runs where he doesn't have powers. And it's like, that's, that's not a, that is a normal day, Piper. Yeah. (laughs) Like. It's not a magical problem. It's just just a normal problem. But. Speaking of magical problems, though. Yes, them talking about their sister's sex life at length is interrupted by Piper screaming because Leo ha- Leo's corpse has crash-landed in the attic. Okay, so he's not a corpse. He Leo's is Leo's pre-corpse. Aren't we all pre-corpses? Fair. Also, Leo's... This is Leo's post-pre-corpse because he's already dead. That, so I could... I, so you know I, what? I, 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 I take it back. You were right. You were right. Leo's always Leo's corpse. 
Anyway, Leo's writhing because, you know, he got shot with an arrow. He's like, this was the first place I thought to go to, which. I mean, it makes sense because where else would he go? Okay, so. I know this is this is so inconsistently a thing, but White Lighter Land? Like, wouldn't White Lighter Land be full of White Lighters who could help him out? Maybe because he was shot, he couldn't travel to White Lighter Land? I guess he was already in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I can see. Also, the elders... He, remember, he when we saw him on the street with Daisy, he told her that the reason he brought her to San Francisco was specifically because he was going to leave her with the sisters and, like... Yeah. Make them take care of her. Do your job, Leo. <laughs> you, yeah. You have one job. But also, I, I think this is maybe not the first, but one of the early examples of the elders doing a terrible job taking care of their own people. Well, there's going to be a moment in a second where one of the sisters goes to pull the arrow out of him, and he's like, no, don't touch it, it's poisoned. Which, by the way, will not be a thing later. You can touch the arrows fine if you're not a white lighter in the future. Mm. But if it's going to infect anyone who touches it, especially if they're a white lighter, I could see why he wouldn't want to go to white lighter land with a white lighter killing arrow stuck in him. Yeah. But, I mean, the elders are at least kind of cosmically aware of stuff. You think they could spare one white lighter to go, you know. Help him? Heal him? Yeah. Now, keep in mind, by the way... uh, this is the first time that Piper has learned that Leo is supernatural. Yes. And Prue, for that matter. Yeah, but whatever. Nobody Who cares, cares what about Prue's Prue. Think. Yeah. So, yeah, Leo is bleeding out on the floor of the attic. This is not great for them. It's weird because I, I know the arrow is poisonous to white lighters, so I'm going to ignore the fact that where he's shot, he should be fine. Yeah, but, you know, poison. Poison, I guess, I guess. I do want to give them credit for having a slightly shorter... Oh, no, I guess they don't. Never mind. I didn't time this week how long we spend on San Francisco, but just uh, just know that it's the same a million years of establishing shots of San Francisco again. Yeah. So, we go to the house... I, I, I just I feel like I need to address this just one more time. Mm-hmm. This show really wants you to have a sense of place. It wanted to be like, this show takes place in San Francisco. I feel like for the most part, this show could take place anywhere. I mean, maybe that's not fair, because last week we just did an episode about Alcatraz, but... Well, I feel like early on they were trying to do more with the location, and later, not so much. Like, people keep on meeting on top of the Golden Gate Bridge, but that's basically it. Okay, that's... I can't wait till we get to talk about how terrible that part is. So we come back from credits and a million years of establishing shots of San Francisco to Prue going through their first aid drawer to try to find first aid stuff for Leo, which is like... I love that she's just throwing anything that looks like it might come in handy in a wicker basket. Yeah, so she can bring it up to the attic. He manifested in the attic. But, uh, like, I mean, okay, you can't not, you can't not do something, but what's your plan here? Honestly, this feels like sort of a magic problem. I mean, I guess not if you don't know. No, no, because Phoebe told them. Phoebe told them all. Like, Piper, when we cut back to Piper yeah, and the Yeah, be- between, between the cold open and 
this. This. So during the opening credits at some point, Phoebe told them what his deal was because up in the attic, Piper's like, I can't believe you didn't tell me that my ex-boyfriend is an angel. That's not the kind of thing you keep from a sister. And Leo's like, you can't worry about me. There's a blonde woman out there in trouble. And and and, and Piper's like, yeah, she's probably already dead if she's blonde. We need to focus on this. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I, he'll, it, he'll the guy in front of you before you run out onto the streets of San Francisco looking for the other person who's about to get killed. So Phoebe's, so Prue comes in with all of the, you know, medicine. A giant box of cotton balls. <laughs> Useful. So, and she's like, I still don't get the whole white lighter thing. And Phoebe describes him as like Tinkerbell, but for witches and without the wings. Which, that's not accurate at all. That's not accurate at all. Tinkerbell was not helpful to Peter Pan. Well, she didn't guide Peter Pan, and like the, the he he's a guardian angel. Yeah, mm. I. It's weird that she's trying to be cutesy about it when stuff already exists for it. Yeah, she's yeah. a guardian angel. So Leo's like, look, I I've been shot. I'm a goner. Rest in peace, me. You need to focus on Daisy. She's out there, there's a dark lighter, they're like me, but evil, and one of them slept with her under false pretenses, and Piper's like, huh, huh, I wonder about that! Imagine! I, so we're being really flippant about this, but the the kind of toxicity of this dark lighter falling in, lo- falling in love with his... Again, charge is the right word. Charge. Right. His darge. Yeah, his darge. And becoming possessive and abusive. And that could have been a more interesting story than it is. Yeah. I you know, I really wish I really, really wish Constance and Burge had written this episode. Honestly, the whole Daisy thing is sort of really in the background of this episode, which I mean I, I like this episode, don't get me wrong. I feel like this is a pretty solidly written episode. And it also really gets to show how Holly Marie Combs is kind of head and shoulders above a lot of the cast oh, acting wise. Oh, she really is. Like. Well, I, I, yeah, and it makes me wish they'd given her more ever. Ever. Yeah. And you know what? I, I said I wish Constance and Burge had written this episode. You know who never wrote for this show who I wish had written this episode? Marnie Knox. Yeah, Marnie Knoxon. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. But Leo's concern is not for, you know, Piper throwing very well-executed barbs at him, but for his charge, who, you know, is being stalked. And since Leo's going to die soon, they need to find her before he dies and his protections withdraw. Yeah. Oh, you know, we, we just gave him a hard time for going to the sisters instead of going to the White Lighter land. But no, obviously he went to the sisters because he's accepted that he's going to die. His concern isn't finding someone to heal him his concern is finding someone powerful enough to go save daisy yeah which i mean i don't blame him for thinking the pa- the sisters are in a better position to save daisy than any of the elders who are terrible at their job if their job is in fact to protect witches and future white lighters which i really don't think it is i think their job is to keep their own power consolidated in this tiny group mm. we can get into that, that a, a lot sentence. later yes <laughs> but 
I also don't get the whole you need to protect future white lighters thing. Because you know what the one thing you need to do to be a white lighter is? What? Die. Okay, no, so I'm glad you said that because I didn't know when in this episode I was going to bring this up. Mm-hmm. First of all, I like the idea that dark lighters aren't just going around doing random evil to random people, but that they're assigned to a specific person who will become a white lighter. It's like the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis. Go uh, expand on that. Have you read the screw tape letters? I haven't. Oh, okay. So it's a demon. the 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 structure of the book is a demon writing to his demon uncle for advice on this guy that he's corrupting. Hmm. But the deal is, he has one man who his job is to corrupt. His his job is to get this one man to to go to hell, to to become corrupt and go to hell. And then there's an angel who's assigned to this one man. And I like the idea that for each potential white lighter, there's a dark lighter whose job is to keep an eye on them and make sure they don't become good enough to be white lighters. And a white lighter whose job is to guide them to be white lighters. And they're kind of in this battle, like good omens, except yeah. except not because they were, they had the wrong baby, but like, like good omens. Well, I, I, I kind of assumed it was more like with Leo where he has a bunch of charges. I'm assuming the dark lighters have sort of the same deal where... Well, I mean... And it's probably easier to tempt someone to be evil than, you know, to make sure they're being good their whole lives. Although I feel like that takes away from... I feel like that takes away from being a white lighter if you have someone guiding you on this path. I feel like it should be just someone choosing to make good decisions is what makes you a white lighter. Oh, well, that was the other thing about being a white lighter. We find out in this episode... That white lighters heal through love, right? They're, yeah. they're, they heal when they love. Which, number one, obviously you're going to have white lighters falling in love with their charges all the time if they're prone to love. And not all love is romantic or sexual in nature, but... Come on. It's still a bad system. But it means, as far as I, as far as I can tell, it means that to be a white lighter, you have to be a person who has a large capacity to love people. Even, like, in the abstract, like... I love this person I don't know because they are my fellow human, not just, oh, this is a person I know very well and I'm in love with them. Like, you have to, you have to be that kind of person to even be able to make the good decisions that make you become a white lighter. And that's who I think we're following. I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about all of the crap Leo heals in this show later. He loves that house. He loved those pipes, Max. He loved those pipes. <laughs> Although, I mean, honestly, he loved Piper and he wanted to make her happy. Make yeah. her happy. Yeah. It, it seems like a flawed system, though, because they're. Okay, you know what? We, we, we can't get into everything that is flawed with the white lighter system because then we will be here for seven million hours. So. Prue is like, okay, look, we'll cancel. I guess we'll cancel our vacation to stop this lady uh, from. She will call the airline to cancel their tickets. Yes, so that they can focus on stopping this lady from being killed by her ex-boyfriend. Also, she's going to call Andy to look for this girl, which I'm sure he's going to love getting that call, Prue. She... Well, I mean, you know, that's what, what else are you going to do? Wasn't last, didn't last episode, he, wasn't he all like, Please don't ask me for help on this sort of thing anymore. Did he say that? Am I imagining that? I don't, no, I don't think he said that. He just told her he couldn't be with her romantically because he wants to have children. And apparently witches can't have children, even though obviously they can. Because um, 
everyone in their line is a witch. Well, he wanted a an ordinary life free of violence, which is why he's a cop. His logic. You're for- a cop. Also, I. It just. It feels really. It feels like a stand-in for a lot of different prejudices to be like, oh. My children's life will be hard if I have children with you, so that's why I can't be with you, not because of anything about you. And it's like, well, screw you, Andy. Yes. But but not because we need you to find this blonde girl. Yes. Andy, you owe me because you dumped me for good, so help us find this blonde girl. Hey, that's, that's fair. But, so, oh, oh. So, at the police station, Daryl's like, hey... Maybe you should worry a little more about the whole IAB or the whole IA investigation, you know, because you're a figure of interest in a lot of open murder cases. And Andy's like, okay, I do like this, though, because when Prue calls him, when he gets the call from Prue, he pretends that he's talking to some guy in forensics, Franklin or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when he hangs up, Daryl calls him out and he's like, hey, did you know he's out on paternity leave right now? You lying liar. He's like, I don't need to know what's going on, but I would like it if you didn't lie right to my face. Which is, Daryl's such a good character and the show never does anything with him. I mean, I really feel for Daryl. His career, I mean... I really feel for Daryl. His career is getting tanked because his partner is, you know, out of pocket. Mm. Is that the right phrase? Mm. Now I feel like out of pocket means like off the grid and uncontactable, but he's, he's off the rails. I do really like how he's like, look, you don't have to tell me what's going on, but don't lie to me. And Andy kind of pats him on the cheek and then walks off. And we can see behind them, IA was watching... And they were watching behind a door, and Daryl just kind of closes the door. Must be some friends of theirs. God. So, uh, we go to Quake. Okay, I just, I, I have to, um, this show wasn't meant to be watched on DVR, or a thing that you can pause often. But in the establishing shot of Quake, we see a bartender take a couple of bottles off of the bar. And there's a Sobe Life Water on the bar like it's next to the bottles it's supposed to look like a liquor bottle except that it's clearly a sobe life bottle the label is facing the camera you couldn't turn that around i god do you remember sobe i do remember it i also remember it being pretty gross i was really into they had like a coconut drink that i really liked oh i remember it yes but i i didn't i don't think i ever tried the coconut i don't like coconut maybe i would have liked that Oh, well, too late now. Mm. God, that was back when... We can't get into another diversion. We've been talking for so long and we're barely in the episode. But that was like the age of juice. Remember Fruitopia? We had a local brand called Fresh Samantha I was super into. Huh. But they were basically... Uh, like, Daesun, is that the... the Dasani? Not Dasani. The, you know those juice bottles that are like... I don't know what they're called. Whatever. You've seen juice before. (laughs) You know what juice is. Yeah. So, Prue has brought Auntie to Quake to talk, which... It's the set they have. Yeah, but Leo's currently dying in your house. Maybe you shouldn't be having lunch right now, or... Piper and Phoebe are taking care of that. Her job is to find 
the blonde chick so that's it's fine this just doesn't feel like an over lunch sort of situation i guess also she changed clothes which makes sense because she was wearing a bikini so yes changing clothes but she changed into this really impractical flirty sundress and i'm like oh i see you prue i see what's happening here you wearing this flirty sundress when you called Andy to talk? This is a real cleavagey episode for Shannon Doherty. It really is, but I mean, I'm just, I recognize that dress. That's the, uh, this is what you gave up dress. God. You'd think it would be... Green is not a flattering color on Shannon Doherty. Oh. It's always interesting when you're watching shows if the outfits are not flattering and you can, and it's a, it's a, character and it's a person like shannon doherty who uh has a certain reputation yeah be like oh i think someone might have might have pissed off the wardrobe mistress this week Mm. i mean i don't know that maybe somebody thought it looked great on her yeah i I mean who knows people have different tastes who knows but prue is like look i'm sorry if it's an imposition to ask you for you know to, to do a- your job to ask you to look for a missing woman and andy's like she's not really a missing woman is she she's a woman who's being stalked it's different just like <sighs> andy tells her about the ia investigation and he's like yeah i i they're up my ass and they're gonna figure out what's going on and they're gonna figure out that you're a witch so um you have his warnings don't make a ton of sense. He's like, you have to be careful. I'm doing everything I can to cover for you. But we're, we have to make it to not raise more suspicions. We have to make it look like we're still friends. And she's like, but we are friends, aren't we, Andy? No, I. this is actually a super loaded conversation. Because he's essentially telling her... I'm going to still act like I'm your friend because I care about you enough that I don't want you to be, like, burned at the stake or pressed by rocks because we live in America. <laughs> we live in America, damn it. We press our witches with rocks. But I am so mad at you that I am not your friend anymore. So if you see me acting like your friend, it's to protect you from internal investigations, not because I'm happy with you. And Prue's like, oh, Andy, that's BS. Your feelings are bad and wrong. His feelings are bad and wrong, Max. Like, far be it from me to to be on Prue's side ever, but his feelings are bad and wrong. But she's like, look, we've been friends since we were kids. So, yeah, you don't want to hook up with me. You don't want us to settle down or whatever. Fine. But don't act like we're not friends. You're just mad right now. Which is sort of invalidating his feelings a little bit, but they're stupid feelings, so fine. Uh, okay, I don't want to invalidate people's feelings, but I, I, I'm so irritated with Andy. I'm just irritated with Andy. He is going to go check the security footage of the... Bodega where Leo got shot. Yeah, and see if he can't get a license plate or something and locate Daisy. Why didn't anyone call the cops when that happened? That was very much in public. Like, there were people on that street. I guess nobody wanted to get involved. Fair. <laughs> A crossbow? Really? They saw it was Leo, and they were like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> so, back in the attic, uh, Phoebe has brought Leo some food, and then she's like, wait, you know, I actually don't know if you eat. And he's like, I eat. 
just because I'm dead doesn't mean I don't eat. And she's like, I mean. So she's taking care of Leo because Piper is too mad at him to take care of him, which is fine. That's see, That anger is fine and valid. Yeah. Here's what's weird, though. Mm-hmm. Alyssa Milano and Brian Krause have so much chemistry. Like, they're not dating in real life yet when this episode is filmed. They will begin dating in real life later. Yeah. But it... I... I'm like, that's your sister's ex thing, whatever, current, who knows. But I don't think the chemistry is written there. It's just that... I'm looking at two people who obviously want to, like, do things to each other. Well, remember, Leo had sex with Grams. He might just be working his way through the Hollowell family tree. Like the Highland Sex Ghost in the Highland Sex Ghost episode of Star Trek The Next Generation? Yes, exactly like that. So this Le- also... Leo is the Highland Sex Ghost of Charmed. Yes. So, we kind of... We kind of glossed over it earlier... Uh, Prue pulled the arrow out using telekinesis. Right, because they couldn't touch it. And, and that was just an excuse for them to use telekinesis so that we could establish, as we need to in each episode, what the sisters' powers are. Yeah. So, this is something that, it, it's very clearly pre-CW, because Leo has been injured in a way that has made them remove his shirt and yet he's got, like, a blanket up to his collarbone. And I'm like, if this was Riverdale, they would have stripped that dude to his skivvies. Oh my. I mean, accurate, but oh my. I mean, you look at Archie cross-eyed in that show and his shirt goes flying off. <laughs> Ditto for Supernatural. It's just, it, it's this weird uh, time where, you know, that wasn't a thing you did on... Uh, yeah, this was before everything on the CW. Well, I mean, this is WB. This is this is before everything on those shows was like super sexy teens doing supernatural sexy things. Teens. Yeah, right. I mean, even you know, Luke Perry back then. Speaking of Riverdale, he was like forty when he was a teenager. Shannon Doherty. Speaking of people. Oh yeah. But um, it's kind of funny because later when we get Cole, I mean, it's not as bad as spike in season six of buffy but cole is going to be shirtless a lot on this show really i don't remember that i'm looking forward to it not like a lot a lot but enough cole gets injured his shirt's going off hmm. but he's also the bad boy oh cole I'm, I'm i'm excited to get to cole yeah i'm way more excited about cole than leo cole is the best love interest in this show leo is Possibly the worst long-term love interest. Oh, wait. Sorry. Hold on. For a second, I forgot Coop existed. I was about to say, <laughs> real Coop. Leo's the worst long-term love interest that my mind hasn't rebelled by trying to erase. Season-spanning love interest. Sure. Sure. And, of course, Paige and Prue just get nothing. Yeah. I mean, the, oh my god. Is Paige's final love interest a reference to Andy? Because she ends up with a human cop. I don't think it's a reference to Andy. I think it's just a symptom of them not knowing what to do with Paige's love life, which they really didn't. I I saw a thing where Rose McGowan was talking about how they had her sleeping with a different guy every episode because they had no idea what to do with her. I mean, 
we'll get to Paige, but her personality basically changed every episode because they had no interest in focusing in on her. They're like, look, we need a third body because it's the power of three. We committed to three sisters and then one of them was Shannon Doherty, so now we're kind of in a bind. Which is fine. I like Paige. I like Paige a lot. I, I, I like Paige so much that I don't like what the show does to her. Which is, they ignore her and weird up her character a lot i mean she just i mean she just never consistently has consistent motivation remember when she took over the magic school and it like was a whole thing for her and it for like three episodes it seemed like it was gonna be her character and then it was like yeah never mind we're done with that yeah yeah or when she gave up her uh social worker job to like focus on magic and they had that thing where she got a temp job and the temp job would put her in these positions to help magical people, and then they got bored with that after, like, two episodes and dropped it. Paige is, like, the human version of season seven of Once Upon a Time. I was about to say, she's the human version of New Charmed, which Didn't just... Didn't know what they wanted to do. Can't stick to a plot. I do... I I haven't been super watching it, but I've been, like, following it through people talking about it. Uh-huh. And I do like that they've basically dropped the two... Uh, sisters who aren't the oldest sister i want to say macy was the oldest sister and they're like it's all about her and the white lighter and this like half demon lady they're pushing to the degree that they did a spotlight on like the sister on the you know oh the ladies of charmed and it was two of the sisters and this demon lady oh wow and i'm like god that's just such a big screw you i mean So I I guess you didn't need to be bound by the power of three. Well, I mean, they lose the power of three in New Charmed in the second. Because the second season is basically just, okay, we don't actually want to be charmed. So it's Mm. like, oh, they don't have the power of three anymore. And also they, you know, don't have plots together and they don't do magic and they solve mysteries. But not together because it's not a show about sisters anymore and they have a secret bunker because i don't know weird so downstairs piper is looking through the book of shadows for a way to save leo because she doesn't actually want him to die yeah uh, again this is such a good acting episode for holly marie combs because phoebe comes in and she's like what are you doing you should be with leo he doesn't have very much time and piper's like yes he does I'm going to find something in the book to save him because he can't die when I'm this mad at him. Yeah, her face, she's so expressive. Like, you get you get all of the subtext from her that was not actually written into the script. You forget because she's in Charmed and Charmed kind of falls off the rails, but you forget that Holly Marie Combs is a really, really good actress. Yeah, I mean, and I mentioned this too when we were writing it, we were talking about how good Holly Marie Combs is. Later, when, when Prue dies, uh, it's going to be upsetting, not because Prue is dead, not because Shannon Doherty is gone. Not because anyone liked Prue. But I because, mean, I'm sure Prue had fans. But. Sure. But because of how well Holly Marie Combs portrays her grief. Yeah, God, there's there's this bit where she's just trying to summon Prue's ghost over and over and over again. And she just like collapses on the floor crying. And you're like, Oh my God. Anyway, Phoebe is like, have you ever thought that maybe we're not meant to save Leo? Have you ever thought that maybe Leo is just like meant to die, which is 
weird foreshadowing for her attitude towards Chris later in the show. But we'll get to that when we get to it. And Piper's like, no, I refuse to accept that. And she leaves the room. Which, you know. So... So we go from that to the hotel room where Daisy is staying. Yes. There's a weird directorial choice to film this overhead like a security camera. Yeah, I I don't get it, but fine. I I mean, I I feel like it's... Was Cheaters big? Was Cheaters going on then? I feel like it it feels like a spy cam, which makes sense because Daisy feels like she's being watched. Like she's being followed and she got this like abusive ex who could be anywhere. Speaking of... Yeah, he's in the room. He... I a... guess Leo is dead enough for the protection that he put on Daisy to yeah, fade. that tracks for me. Yeah, totally. Uh, Alec has delivered daisies to her room, and he's like, I got your favorite. And it's like, her name is Daisy, and her favorite flowers are daisies? Are you mm. sure you're not just remembering what her name is? God. I'm pretty sure daisies aren't really her favorite flower, dude. Okay, the thing is, I do like this episode. I know we've barely been talking about it. I do like this episode. But it has kind of a too many good plots issue where there should be more focus on this guy and his thing with daisy daisy's kind of a non-entity in this episode but you know he talks about how he loves her and he'll do anything you know he's like i didn't know what love is until i met you and it just brings me back to drusilla's thing where she's talking about what love is for vampires to buffy where she's like you talk about us like we can't love we can it's an obsession it burrows under our skin it drives us we don't love like humans do but we do love and again we talked about this when we were doing our once upon a time podcast vampires are a grotesque parody of humanity Mm -hmm. they have a grotesque parody of love and i feel like that's what we're seeing in this dark lighter guy yeah um he says to her he repeats what she said to him when they were together she said he he does it in her voice because that's what dark lighters can do yeah she said i love you i'll love you forever and he tells her that she must have been lying if she doesn't love him now which is what my abusive ex said to me when we broke up i was fine he's so far in my past it's fine but i'm just saying well well spotted, writer of this episode. Mm. That That is how abusive men reason things out. Yeah. So, Daisy's trying to get away from him. He's He's got her trapped, you know. She, and she, she points out, like, look, our entire relationship was under false pretenses. How could I love you when I didn't know what you were? Which is good parallelism between the whole Leo and Piper thing that's going on. Especially because Leo's response, I mean, look, the episode doesn't delve into this. His response to her finding out who he was, was to get mad at her for, for her reaction. Leo's response is to pull back and want to protect Piper by leaving. Even though that means that he doesn't have, you know, the relationship that he wants to have. Like... The script needs to be contrasting these two things more. Like, I mean, it's doing good parallel work here. Like, and it's subtle, which is something Charm never does, but which makes me think it might be accidental. Yeah, no, see, that's the thing. I feel like the parallels are just there because we spend so much time talking about Charmed. I feel like maybe the writers aren't completely aware of how this episode should be structured. Yeah, which... I guess if it was more intentional, there would be more 
sort of attempts to line them up in the narrative but i feel like that would kind of work against charmed not to be cruel to the show but i feel like a lot of its best work happens by accident yeah yeah well we should be spending more time with daisy and alec and honestly we should be spending more time with piper and leo although i understand that holy marie combs is still recovering so i think that's surgery yeah i think that's why she gets sidelined in a lot of this episode which we'll talk about when that happens but it should be the heart of the episode yes is you know the piper and leo especially because this is bringing leo back and they do they do a weird thing in this episode where which we'll get to that essentially takes piper out of commission Mm -hmm. and it's prue and phoebe who are protecting daisy it's prue and phoebe versus daisy and alec and i know that there were outside considerations for holly marie combs's health but from a story standpoint it should have been the opposite something should have taken prue and phoebe out of commission and it should have been leo and piper versus alec and daisy like that's that's what the structure should have been yeah, instead we have to get all of this extra stuff because I guess Holly Marie Combs was still recovering. I mean, I assume that. And, and it does sort of, yeah, we're, we're assuming. Although all of her stuff with Leo is pretty quiet. Yeah, I mean, I, I and, and it's good. I'm, I'm glad she gets her moments with Leo. It's just, you know. Anyway. So uh, Daisy and... Alec. Alec are interrupted by the hotel manager who's like, hey, I'm hearing a lot of yelling and things breaking you want me to call the cops and alec opens the door grabs the guy by the throat and melts his face which i guess is horrifying also, i guess it's sort of like a inverse of the healing hands thing okay and he's got yeah apparently dark lighters have bernie hands so i guess so okay i i just want to point this out uh the hotel motel manager uh-huh Hotel, Uh, because there are hallways. Hotel, yes. Uh, He's an actor you've definitely seen in stuff. He's like one of those actors who's in everything. He's also Asian, and I've sort of been noticing how many Asian extras they've been having. It it just got me thinking of the fact that they... I don't know if they've been, you know, going out of their way to get Asian uh, extras, but I feel like it is a nod to the fact that San Francisco has a pretty big... Asian population? Yeah. And I was like, that's kind of a neat, if it's intentional, which it might not be, uh, sort of way to kind of... Actually have a world where you see demographics that mirror what you might actually see in the city that it supposedly takes place in. Friends! Yes. Well, when Spider-Man Homecoming came out, Mm -hmm. I saw all of these people who were like, oh... There's so much forced diversity, you know, in this in this high school in New York City that he's at. I feel the, like people who don't live in cities are just unaware of how much more diversity there is in cities than in, like, the suburbs, which were specifically I mean, created for white flight. It's just, I, I guess, because... I mean, we live in Portland. We live in what? We live in like the whitest city, but it, there's still I, there's, there's still way more diversity than you see in like the suburbs I grew up in. Oh, I was gonna say on 
TV, on TV cities. Uh, but, I mean, I grew up in Connecticut. Everywhere is more diverse than you see. Yeah. Like, and whenever people complain about this sort of thing, I'm like, where do you live? Where do you live where this is not a thing? I mean, I know there's lots of places. The town I grew up in. <laughs> but I, I just, I mean, it sucks because this guy shows up just to get killed. Yeah. But I'm like, it is nice that they're trying to make, if not the cast. Then... I know. I was like, I'd, I'd like it more if it was front credited characters, but you're right. I appreciate that they're trying. Which, I mean, maybe you don't get credit for that. Maybe you don't get credit if you're just like, look, there's ton of there's a ton of Asian characters in Charmed. They're just in the background and never say or do anything except sometimes get killed. I mean, my go-to is um, Grey's Anatomy, mm-hmm. which has I'm, Meredith Grey is a white woman, but and, and there's an ever-revolving cast because the show's been on for a million and a half years. Mm-hmm. But there are so many people of color and uh, there are so many queer people in the main cast and it's amazing and I love it. And also it really is the first show I've ever watched where I noticed, oh, I feel like the background people were cast in a deliberate way to make it feel, you know, like a, like a hospital in Seattle would actually feel. Yeah. I feel like, oh, hey, look, the patient of the week is, you know, just as likely to be a person of color as a white person. And, you know, we'll have a gay couple as the patient of the week without that being something. The plot. Right, without that being the plot. Looking at you, scrubs. <laughs> so I, I just, yeah. Grey's Anatomy, weirdly... <laughs> Because, I mean, it's Shonda Rhimes, so it's not that weird. But it's, you don't think of that as being a show with, uh... Yeah, so... Piper? Piper. So, Alec kills the hotel manager, and then Prue bursts in and telekinetically throws him across the room. A second too late! Yeah. Like, like, a second too late! And then, uh... Alec dorbs away. Yes, Alec... Alex like, you know what? I'm not dark lighter paid enough to deal with this. And he dorbs away. And Andy's like, for crying out loud. I mean, Andy doesn't have any right to be irritated. He wouldn't even know about this if Prue hadn't gone to take him out to lunch first. That was weird. You're right. You know, if they hadn't, if they hadn't gone out to lunch first. Maybe that guy would still be alive. Yeah. And... They would have been able to get there and get Daisy to safety before Alec even showed up. Damn it, Prue! So, also, it's probably not great for him to be at the scene of another murder. I guess he could just leave. I but... mean, what's he gonna do? What's he gonna do? Not solve crimes? So, Phoebe uh, finds Piper going through the book looking for a cure and phoebe's like you're not gonna find a cure in the book which seems unduly pessimistic yeah you might be there might be a cure in the book hey who knows maybe one of your ancestors also wanted to bone a white lighter and put all sorts of white lighter information in the book could be just throwing that out there so piper's like look he said that you know Leo told me that a white lighter could heal the poison from a dark lighter, but 
white lighters can't heal themselves. So I found a power switching spell. I'm just going to switch my powers and his powers, and then I will heal him, and then I will kick him in the groin repeatedly. There's an Andy Samberg movie called Hot Rod. I feel like we all, as a culture, just realized that Andy Samberg is actually pretty great. Yes. But before we realized that he made this movie called Hot Rod that not a lot of people saw because it was Andy Samberg, before we realized how great he was. Well, I mean, that was back when Adam Sandler was trying to own him. Remember, that's my boy. Yeah. Oh, oh. Anyway, the plot of Hot Rod is that his stepfather is dying of cancer and he's trying to get the money for his stepfather's treatment so his stepfather can be cured so he can punch him in the face. How can you hear that plot and not realize that Andy Samberg is completely underrated? Well, I'm glad people are starting to appreciate him. Palm Springs is such a good movie. Yeah, it was really good. Also, I mean, let's not sleep on... on, on, uh, Also, let's not overlook the Lonely Island movie, which I feel like was really overlooked. Popstar, Don't Stop, Never Stopping? Yes. I mean, that was an amazing movie. It's a very era-specific parody. I mean, that doesn't make it bad. It just makes it era-specific. It's weird because it's like a movie that is specifically parodying 2005, 2006. And it's not that old, but it's very much like right, right there in what was happening in music. So Prue asks, are you sure the whole power switching thing will work? Are you sure you'll be able to heal him once you have Leo's powers? And Piper's like, you know what? I don't care. I'm trying it. And she cast the spell, and then Kit Watch 2020! Yeah, Kit shows up, and uh, Piper tries to freeze her, but cannot. And and weirdly, she's like, weirdly, when Piper tries to freeze her and she can't, she's like, wait, what's happening? And Prue's like, the spell? The, the, spe- the, spell, the spell you, you just cast? The, the thing you said the spell was supposed to do? And then she kind of, like, sets her hand on Phoebe's arm and gets a premonition Prue gets a premonition. I love how much Prue is grossed out by Phoebe's powers. She's like, oh, gross. I got one of Phoebe's premonition things. Blech. It like went into my head and it like my my brain is like filled with things I didn't put in there. It's like all this. Like, I don't know where these thoughts have been before they came into my brain. And uh, Phoebe's like, what did you see? And she's like, I saw that lamp flying into the wall. And Phoebe's like, that lamp? And she points at it and it flies into the wall. And she's yep. like, oh. Yep. So uh, so Piper and Leo switched powers, but also Phoebe and Prue switched powers. Uh-oh. Yep. So they're going to go, you know, they're going to go handle Alec and... Piper's going to try to heal Leo, and she starts doing the freezing motion over Leo's, you know, gaping wound. And Prue's like, is that how Leo heals? And Piper's like, I've never seen Leo heal. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I feel for Piper because this isn't a bad plan, but it's like, you don't just automatically know how to heal just because you have the power. It could take you weeks to figure it out. And by then, Leo will be totally dead. Like, re-dead dead again maybe you should have kept your freezing power and just you know kept freezing him until you could get another white lighter down there to heal him you know what you're right why did they throw they never do this the white lighters are jerks they never do this leo gets 
fatally wounded in ways that can be cured by white lighters multiple times in the show and the elders just never send another guy down maybe that's like a thing maybe it's like mission impossible you know where if you get caught we disavow all knowledge of you like if you're a white lighter and you get hurt that's on you man we don't send someone down to help you otherwise we'd just be healing white lighters all day we care about you up until you become a white lighter and then you're on your own yeah i mean that does seem to be their mo doesn't it is this like a pro-life thing <laughs> yep we, we just need you to be calm be born and then after that <sighs> after that you're on your own yep Ugh. meanwhile andy has a plot yeah andy is in a conference room with ia again because they're still on him about his whole being at a lot of suspicious murder scenes and acting all squirrely and obviously protecting a woman who appears to be a murderer. God, why can't they just let him do his job? And the IA guy points out, hey, like, you literally just showed up at the scene of another murder. <laughs> literally just showed up at the scene of another murder. What are we supposed to think is going on here? He, he mentions that, you know, a lot of people keep seeing him with Prue right before stuff happens and right after stuff happens and while stuff is happening and andy's like hey i don't have to tell you about my informants and why why don't they just say that prue's a psychic who's helping them out like why don't they just make that a thing yeah yeah you're lying to them anyway you might as well come up it's closer to the truth than what you're saying which is nothing but they're like look Either you tell us what's going on, or we're going to, uh, we're going to put you in the naughty boy chair. And he's like, you can't put me in the naughty boy chair. I'm leaving. Yeah, then it becomes a 70s cop movie, and he's like, here's my badge and my gun. I quit. Which, you know what, good for him. Yeah. So, Daisy is trying to escape, but Alec... Is everywhere? Like that movie being John Malkovich? Yes, she goes to buy a bus ticket, and uh-oh, he's the guy at the ticket counter, and she runs away, and uh-oh, he's a post office worker who's standing in the middle of this for some reason. Is this, like, a thing? Like, is this a white lighter and or dark lighter power that we see again? The ability to, like, just be other people all over the place? Okay, Leo can glamour himself to look like other people, that's not what's happening here, though. That That is true. He's, like, he's overshadowing. Possessing. Yeah, or... yeah. Yeah, he's overshadowing the people who are around, who are who are already in the terminal. Yeah, white lighters and dark lighters both can do way more stuff than we ever see them practically doing. They have, like, plot powers. They can do whatever the plot requires and nothing else. So... Phoebe and Prue enter the bus station, and Prue is instructing Phoebe on how to best use her powers. And she's she like, needs to be angry. So, uh, so Prue's just gonna piss her off, so that, uh, so that her powers manifest. And, um, I just have to say, speaking of great actors, I, I genuinely believe in this scene that Shannon Doherty and Alyssa Milano hate each other. Yeah. Because Shannon Doherty's like, I need to honk you off. I need to make you angry so that you use your powers. Hey, remember when everyone in high school was calling you freebie? And uh, all of the magazines fall, uh, fly off a nearby magazine rack. Uh, not just that. She says that she started that rumor. Yeah. 
Yeah. That was me. God, we're such a... Yeah, anyway. And Phoebe's like, okay, then I'll tell you how to use my power. You just kind of open your mind and... And Prue's like, no, shut up. Your power sucks. We don't need your stupid, stupid power. And she has another premonition and immediately starts complaining about it. She's like, oh, this is so gross. I hate this so much. Well, it gives her a headache and her ears are ringing. But also she did see Daisy in the bathroom. So that's where they're going to go. Also, yeah, this is way more useful than Phoebe's premonitions ever are. Except in season one. I was going to say, like, they're talking about how to trigger the powers. It's like, Phoebe, you don't know how to trigger your power. Like, you did it once so far. But the way you trigger your power is it happens. When the powers that be decide you need the power, you get it. Yeah. Again, it feels like a thing. She can do more stuff with them in season one. We saw her hold on them in the ghost episode. She could trigger them in uh, the one where she was working as a hotel psychic. Uh, she had that weird expanded thing with them last episode, didn't she? Like, Yeah, she's working on triggering them. Yeah, which feels like it was a direction they were going to go until they realized that it was plot breaking, so they just stopped. But yes... Uh, Prue pulls one forth, and she's super grossed out about it, but it shows her that they are in the bathroom. And then we see Alec and Daisy in the bathroom, and uh, Alec reading from the abuser playbook some more, telling Daisy that uh, he didn't want to kill that guy in the hotel, but she made him do that. And, like, if, if she just acquiesced to being his one and only for eternity, then no one else has to die. And she's like, well, let me think about... Nutshot! Yep, she kicks him in the testicles instead, which is good, except that, uh... You know, he's... A supernatural being, it it, it it stops him for, like, a fraction of a second. Yeah. So he, uh... He, you know, chokeholds her, but then Prue and Phoebe burst in, and Phoebe tries to telekinesis against, against him. Because he manifests his uh, crossbow, so she's trying to pull the crossbow out of his hand. But instead, she just makes all of the faucets turn on. Next time, I'm going to aim for the faucets and hit you instead. But Prue's like, remember that time that uh, Grams screamed at you for three hours straight for denting her car? That was me. And Phoebe's able to telekinetically throw him into a wall. And uh, Prue grabs the crossbow because she's like, oh, I'll do this because I don't have an active power anymore. So I'll just shoot crossbows at people. But before she can hit Alec, he dorbs away. Yes, later in the show, later in the show, I'm pretty sure that you can kill dark lighters with their own, uh, with bolts from their crossbows. That doesn't seem to be, like, I think Leo tells them that, you know, that won't work this episode, but feels like it should. It doesn't matter, she doesn't hit him. So. Yeah. I, I feel like it shouldn't because it manifests from their own essence. Yeah. So it shouldn't kill them, they should just, like, resorb it. Point. Back at the manor, Piper's treating Leo and not wanting him to die, which is nice. And and it's a it's a powerful moment. It's it's good. Holly Marie Combs is great. She is making me care about Leo. Yes, and poor Brian Krauss. Poor Brian Krauss, because he's kind of in an acting off with Holly Marie Combs here, and she is destroying him. You brought a you brought a Brian Krause to a Holly Marie Combs act off. Yes, and she's like, "I'll figure it out. Just I'll figure it out." And he's like, "You won't, and it's fine." And she's like, "No, I I, I can't. I can't let you go." Meanwhile, uh, 
Daisy's upset because they've brought they've brought Prue. Daisy's upset. They brought her to the manor, and she sees that they have flowers, and she's like, oh, "They must be for me." But okay, they're not for her. You know how you can tell they're not for her? It's an actual nice bouquet, and not that like. Not daisies that he bought at a gas station. Not daisies that he picked out of a ditch. Yeah. And it just, whatever. And and they're not. They're from Andy. They're from Andy for Prue. Yeah. And Phoebe's like, wait, are, are you two still happening? And Prue's like, look, we don't really have time to get into it. It's just taking up space in this episode. So. Meanwhile, Leo is dead. Yeah. Yeah. And Holly Marie Combs is, I mean, her, her like trauma and grief right now and not having been able to save leo is well 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 acted yes i want to point out brian Kuras is a very attractive dude mm-hmm. at this point in time mm-hmm. but he is shot at so many unflattering angles in this episode it, it it's because when they come in and you know he's all corpsey what's on all the... these downward angles well, it's it's upward. Oh yeah, uh, up sorry, I was thinking of the camera down. Yeah, yeah, there are all these upward angles from underneath, which is a angle that looks flattering on no one. It's just because when they burst into the room, it's from an up above thing, and you're like, oh yeah, Brian Krause is actually a very attractive dude. I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, mm-hmm. but I was watching a bunch of like Comic Con panels with the cast of Charmed. Yeah. In in prep for before we started this series, and. There was one where somebody asked the cast what souvenirs they took home from set. And Holly Marie Crumbs, indicating Brian Krause, was like, uh, guest stars? Yes. So, uh, yeah. Apparently he was he was quite a, um, quite a Lothario on set. Hmm. As long as no one felt pressured to do anything, I guess. Oh, no. Nothing wrong with that. Just... Yeah. I... I feel like it's funny because Leo is such a sincere character, but I get the impression that Brian Krause is a bit of a himbo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Downstairs. Daisy is, Daisy's freaking out. Daisy's running because she's like, oh, Leo's dead. I have no protection now. Which is completely ignoring the fact that he told her right before he got shot that the whole reason he brought her to San Francisco was so that the sisters could protect her if something happened to him. So, um, maybe, Daisy, maybe stay with them. Like, and I, I mean, in fairness to her, she doesn't want to get them killed the way she got Leo killed. But Leo's whole point was that they could protect her when he couldn't, so. Okay, I love this because she's like, look, it, it doesn't matter. I need to go. It doesn't matter if it's my fault or not. Anyone around me is going to get hurt. I need to not be around people. I need to go. And Piper comes down and she, since she can't be mad at Leo, she's kind of focusing the force of her anger on Daisy. And she's like, look, Leo died for you. You don't get to leave. I, I like that she makes the point. If Leo died protecting her and then she goes and gets her dumbass killed then what did leo die for so at at the very least she needs to make leo's death mean something i don't care how blonde you are (laughs) i am going to make sure that you survive yes exactly i I will drag you kicking and screaming back onto the mortal plane if if need be meanwhile god prue and andy 
Yeah, Prue is meeting up with Andy, who's like, hey, uh, so I quit being a cop because Internal Affairs was definitely about to find out about you, which is good because now they're not, but also um, I'm not a cop anymore, so I can't help you. What were you doing to help her? Well, I mean, to help her. He probably helped her. I mean, like, he's like, I can't protect you from IA. Oh, yeah, no, but... I mean, he did protect her. He quit to protect her from IA, but I, I assumed he meant like. Technically, he's on suspension. Ah, sorry, but I, I thought he meant like I can't look up license plates and show you where the blonde woman is anymore. Yeah. So. They they talk about their relationship and like how they're always going to be friends, even if there's not a romantic aspect to it, and even if even if he's not useful to Prue anymore. Also, like obviously, you're still in love with me since you put your own career in jeopardy to protect me, and I just I I'm I'm just the Prue and Andy relationship makes me tired. It's just, like that's the main emotion I feel towards them is tired. Uh, it's taking away from the much more interesting story in this episode. It it's it gets I think more screen time than Piper and Leo or Alec and Daisy, both of which need more focus. Maybe this show could have had some more focus and we could have centered on all three couples and gotten like a richer episode. I- I couldn't remember the name of the episode when we were watching this, but I was like, wait, wasn't there a Buffy episode called Love Hurts? And you reminded me, no, the episode I was thinking of is Fool for Love. Mm. And I'm like, oh, hey, what a great example of an episode that explores what it means to be in love with somebody by examining several different relationships and, like, really going deep on them. Well, you know what really worked for that? That one... Having a better writers? <sighs> Uh, no, I was going to say that one Bob's Burgers episode where literally every character has a romantic subplot, that Valentine's Day episode. Yeah. Uh, I, is it like Gene for Chocolate? Yes. Every, literally every member of the main cast has a romantic subplot. It's a 20-minute episode. Equal time is given to all of them, and they create uh, they create five separate full narratives. That, that have, like, a deep resonance. Yeah. You know what? I, okay, I think I've figured out what's bothering me about this episode. Because I, we're really trashing it, but it is a good episode. There's, like, there's like good things in it. Mm. I feel like it doesn't have anything interesting to say. It's, like, accidentally saying some interesting things. And I wish they were doing those things on purpose. Because it's advancing the plot, but it's not telling me anything interesting about relationships or, or what relationships mean when you introduce these supernatural elements. And we're accidentally stumbling on some interesting ideas, but I mean, there's no central thesis. The Piper and Leo relationship should be the center of this episode, which it's not really. And... The thesis of this episode should be why the two of them should be together, which it's not. The As far as we go is basically they should be together because Piper would be sad if Leo died. Okay, well, I think the thesis of this episode should be how do you navigate a relationship with a supernatural person? And it's great because then you have the three couples that you have are Leo and Piper, Alec and Daisy, and... 
Prue and Andy, where, where interestingly, Prue is the one who's the supernatural creature. But that you're right, that doesn't need to be the thesis, but I feel like if I'm grading this, like if I'm a teacher and I'm grading this script, I'm writing, identify your thesis and do another pass. Well, it's it's the charmed problem. It's a show that has great bones, but doesn't build on them properly. Okay, so I actually feel like this is the opposite. I feel like you have, like, a nice suit, but there are no bones underneath the suit. So it's just, like, a suit that's, like, flopping around. And you're like, look at the stitches on this suit. And it's like, but it's just flopping around because there's no, there's no bones in that arm. It's like, it's like Harry Potter after uh, Kenneth Branagh zapped all his bones away. Oh, God. So... Phoebe's trying to comfort Piper, and she's like, hey, hey, you want to talk about your dead boyfriend? You want to talk about how much you miss your dead boyfriend and how sad you are that your dead boyfriend's dead? And Piper can't believe that this happened because magic has always worked before. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) You know what? You know what? When you're upset, you say things that don't make any sense. It's okay. (laughs) But... She's she's angry at Leo for not fighting harder, and she's angry at herself because she's like, I had the power to save him. I had that power right in my hands. Mm-hmm. And it just, it fell through. Well, yeah, no, I mean, she had the, she physically contained the power. She took Leo's power away. So the fact that she couldn't heal him, that's her failure. The power was in her, and she didn't know how to direct it that's that's painful hmm. so that night she's she's still sitting with leo's corpse and sitting with that corpse for a while yeah just pointing that out and a lot of corpse sitting yes and as she's sitting with leo and you know being devastated and feeling like the immense pain the pain that of course comes from the deep deep love that she has for leo okay i really like this because this is her finally letting go of her anger and accepting his death and that's why she switches from being angry to being sad which is also the trigger for healing which well, not just sad but, but like she's she's able to feel by accepting that he's gone she was able to truly feel how much she loved him instead of like the anxiety of trying to make it work or the anger that it, like that anger that it didn't like she was able to just feel her love for leo yeah, and she uses that love to power the healing hands, and I guess he was just mostly dead, or since Leo was dead in the first place, it's is fine. he extra dead, and she I, just brought I him have, back to being regular dead? I have no problem with this working. It's fine. Yeah. So, she decorpsifies Leo. Leo is back from the dead, and I guess they're back together now? Well, I mean, as we know, their relationship will go back and forth for quite a while while we try to figure out whether or not White lighters can date witches. Or whether or not white lighters are allowed to quit, which... Nah. So, she brings Leo downstairs, and she's like, Hey, surprise everyone, I got the healing hands to work. Uh, little problem. Uh, we we still need to, you know, vanquish the dark lighter before he comes back and re-kills everyone. Uh-oh, there's the dark lighter. Speak of the devil. So- Literally! Sort of. Maybe. Not exactly. So he grabs Piper and he's like, Oh, look, you have the thing that I love. 
and I have the thing that you love. And Leo's like, women aren't things. And he's like, okay, you get what I'm doing, though. He also tells Leo that taking Piper hostage shows how much he loves Daisy. Like, look what he's willing to do to show how much he loves Daisy. And then Prue comes home, and her coming in the door distracts everyone just long enough for him to grab Daisy and take off. Yeah. I like how he dorbs out the door. I have to say, Daisy was too far away. The fact that he was able to toss Piper aside and grab Daisy. Whatever. I mean, Leo just came back to life, but... and Okay, I guess Leo just came back to life, and Phoebe's using powers that aren't hers, and... Okay, okay. So... Leo's like, look, you can find Daisy by, you know, I I have this thing where I can find my charges. Piper, since, you know, I'm still weak from coming back from the dead, you'll have to use that. And Piper's like, can't Prue just, like, try to have a premonition to find where she is? And Prue's like, yeah, not doing that again. (laughs) So again, she's using powers that aren't hers, so it's hard, but Piper is able to figure out where Daisy is. And look at that, Prue. She's not a giant whiny baby about it. So Piper's like, go save them while I take care of Leo. And Prue's like, don't we need the power of three? And Piper's like, no, not this week. You're fine. Just go. Yeah. It's fine. You don't need it. Which is fair. You know, witches, witches have been vanquishing demons and warlocks and dark lighters for centuries without the power of three. So, yeah, it makes sense. They don't need the power of three. So Alec has brought Daisy into the foggy part of the park to sacrifice her in the fire circle that's just in this part of the park, I guess. On the sacrificial rock, the rock that has the pyrotechnics set up so that the rock bursts into flame. And it's, okay, I'm pretty sure those are supposed to be magical flames. Like, I'm pretty sure he's supposed to have magically made it flame. Mm -hmm. But the little gas things that are making it be pyrotechnic are really obvious, which makes me think that this is actually some weird fire feature that the park put in, like like a water feature except with fire. Yeah. Which, by the way, if I didn't think it was a complete safety hazard that would burn our house down, I would totally install in our yard. No, I think it's... I think that's something that's as cool as it is super, super impractical. Yes. So Prue and Phoebe burst into the circle of flames and... Phoebe telekinetically throws Alec. Alec. I keep thinking Derek. I don't know why. He has a Derek face. (laughs) But she telekinetically throws Derek and Derek's like, Alec. Alec's like, oh, you're going to use your powers against me? I'll use my powers against you. And Prue's like, wait a second. He has better powers than I do. And she recites the power switching spell. Yeah, now she has the flamey death hand. Which she, you know, uses against him. And then as he's melting, she says the spell again so that, you know, she gets she gets the premonitions back. Yeah, when he's like a second from death, she swaps back and takes her powers back. Well, she takes Phoebe's powers back. Right. And she's like, hey, Phoebe, Phoebe, do you, do you, you, sure, you, you sure you want the premonitions back? You sure you don't want the melty hand thing? Because, you know, I can just keep the melty hand thing. But no. It's the CGI is pretty gruesome. We see his skeleton before he completely melts. Like his skin melts off first, and then he like vanishes. Yeah. Daisy should be a little more traumatized than she is. No, she's just like cool, blonde woman who survived an episode of Charmed. Woo. It's it's really it's, astounding. Like, good she, job. She's not the first, mind you. The the, you know, the friend of theirs who got 
all the youth sucked out of her by Javna. Oh, yeah, you're right. She was okay. Although, apparently, she gets killed in the comics. Seriously? Yeah, there's, like, a warlock who's killing uh, their the innocents that they saved, which has to be the easiest job in the universe. There's, like, right, there's, like, three people. Yeah. Yeah. So... Every, I'm, we're, we're assuming everyone got their power switched back, you know, off screen. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't they try to switch their powers back in the car, Bruin, Phoebe? It seems weird that Phoebe still had yeah, the telekinesis. Yeah, you're right. They should have gone into the fight with, as strong as possible with the strongest po- Whatever, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. So, back at the manor, Leo is giving... Piper some uh, some exposition about what white lighters are that he used to be a man he was a he was an army medic and he he didn't want to kill people he just wanted to save people and then he died and then he became a white lighter so he used to he used to be a man also this was during World War Two yes so okay okay so later like he talks about how he was he was a medic and. He just remembers he was bandaging someone's head, and then he felt a sharp pain, and then white lighter. Later, I think they talk about him dying, like, him dying in a situation where he rushed into, like, a firefight to save people. That's not mutually exclusive from what he describes. I guess, yeah. In fact, that sounds like it. It sounds like he ran into an active battle scene to try to rescue somebody and was shot. Yeah. And since generally in war, you don't shoot at medics... He, he must have definitely been, like, in a fight in the fog of war to have been shot. Hmm. So, Piper's like, wait, wait, World War Two, And he's like, don't worry about that, Piper. The only thing that matters is that I love you, and if need be, I will give up being a white lighter for you. Yeah, and Piper's like, wait, no. I am selfless because we're still in season one. I can't ask that of you. I do really like it, and it's such a strong character note for Piper, and she will never do this ever again in this show. But she's like, look, you do so much good in your capacity, you know, as a white lighter, and it would be wrong of me to take that away from the world. Yeah. Like, she's she's going to choose the greater good over her own happiness. But also, we're still going to date, kind of. Come on. I mean, they're still going to bone. It's fine. It's against the rules, but eh. Eh. Rules don't apply when you're the charmed ones. What are you going to do? Find new charmed ones? So Leo stands up and he does a full body orb, which I feel like we don't see a ton of full body orbs. I guess it's probably more expensive. Oh, it's definitely more expensive. Plus, it's probably harder to set up. So instead of ending on the emotional strong note... We go to Andy and Daryl, who are talking at a construction site and being watched by the IA guys. Yep, yep. Daryl is uh, is wearing a wire to interrogate Andy about why Andy's being so squirrely. They asked him to, but he said that he's not. He said, what do you think? Which I took to mean that he was wearing a wire and this was his way of warning Andy. Really? Yeah. No, because they're they're talking about wishing that they could understand what they were saying. I thought that they couldn't understand what they were saying because Daryl took him to a construction site and the noise was too much. Uh, Boy, that's that's not what I got out of that. Anyway, the important thing is they're having a conversation about how no matter what's going on with Andy, Daryl is always going to be on his side because they're BFFFFs forever. And I is like, 
Oh, you know what? You're right. He's not wearing a wire because I has one of those weird uh, microphones, those those elliptical microphones that you, like, shoot at somebody and then you, like, suck in their sound. I'm sorry. They're being so obvious. They're, like, the only car that's parked around this construction site. And he's just sticking that right out the window. They're, like, 30 feet away. <laughs> yeah. But they can't hear anyway because of all the construction noise. And Andy doesn't tell Daryl anything that Daryl shouldn't already know, which is that this is all about Prue. But he doesn't tell him, you know, Prue's a witch or any of that. He's just like, look, Prue is, uh, I'm covering for Prue. Prue is helping people. But, you know, Prue's helping people. I can't tell you how, but I can tell you it's Prue. And Daryl's like, effing Prue. Okay. You're right. He should know it's Prue. Come on. Okay. Speaking of he should know it's Prue. Come on. We go back to the car with the IA guys. And the one with the parabolic, that's what it's called. The one with the parabolic mic is like, I can't hear anything. And the other one is like, he just said that he's covering for Prue Hallowell. I know this because I'm a demon! And his eyes turn red, and he opens his mouth, and he does the invasion of the body snatcher scream, and then the other guy, like, dies from hearing the scream, and it's like, you're a demon. Did you not know this was about Prue? Is that new information for you? Is this your first day as a demon? Also, why kill your partner? That seems super unnecessary. Who is that for? That's for us, right? So we know you're a demon? That was completely un- the IA plot is annoying. So, back at the Hollowell Manor, Leo has left Piper his dog tags, which she puts on. Yeah, like like a, yeah. So it's she like can, the like, clotter ring from Buffy. Yeah, so she can feel like he's near her or whatever. I guess it's more like the cross necklace from Buffy. No, no, it's like the clotter ring. The, the cross necklace is... Useful. <laughs> yes. So, downstairs, Prue and Phoebe are having this conversation where Prue's like, Hey, remember in the pilot when I said you have no vision? I'm so sorry. Your power is so gross, I could never do it. So, thank you for doing the gross power. Yeah. Like, they're basically doing a decompression thing where, you know, Prue's like, Wow, it really sucks to be you, but, you know, also, they're, you know, doing a uh, debriefing where Phoebe's like, it sure is a good thing that we all have our proper powers back and that Piper and Leo are kind of dating maybe, but not really. And that Daisy is definitely fine and definitely back with her family. Don't worry about Daisy. Okay. While they're having this conversation, Phoebe is making them pina coladas because she's sad that they didn't get to go to Cabo. And she's making them in hollowed out. Pineapples. Like the way you would get at a resort. Mm-hmm. So... She went and got, like, that's just so extra to go get pineapples and hollow them out. Like, well, that these... seems like a lot of work for Phoebe to go through. I don't feel like Phoebe would go through that much work. Point. And then it freeze frames on the two of them clinking their pineapples together. And it's like, really? A well, they had, frame? they had one extra second of time they had to fill. God. Okay, so we didn't talk about, it's weird because we talked about it a lot and also not that much at the same time. This is a really solid episode with some very glaring flaws. It's solid. Solid is the right word for it. Like, it's not great. It does what it needs to do. And nothing more. Yes. So should we do our segments? Yes. Because we have quite some premonitions. 
All right, so yeah, let's get to it. Let us gaze into the future and see who we see. Who will be famous in the future or was famous in the past? And boy, howdy, is this one going to be depressing. Oh, yeah, Uh, we won't get too into it. uh, Why don't I take the lead? Uh, So you might recognize Daisy if you watched the very early seasons of that 70s show. She was the first actress to play uh, Topher Grace's sister, she played Lori in that 70s show. Uh, her name is Lisa Robin Kelly. A lot of really horrible stuff went down in her personal life. They ended up recasting her in the show. Like, she disappeared from the show for a long stretch of time, and then they brought her back for a season with a different actress that everyone hated, so they kind of just quietly dropped her. Well, they recast her because she had a drug problem, and she did eventually die in 2013 of an overdose. It's mm. a really sad story. Yeah. But which is depressing you, you, it, it's 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 really horrible and you don't get to see it here but she was in a lot of stuff that she was genuinely good in um she was really she was really great she she was great in that 70s show she was uh she she had a she was a one-shot character in a significant episode of the x-files mm weirdly she was in jawbreaker so she acted with rose mcgowan oh or yeah oh that i i saw jawbreakers and i was like wow this is like a really like it's like the exact midpoint between heathers and mean girls and it's not as good as either it's like god they're those mean girls and heathers are great movies you would think jawbreaker would also be great but it's just it's not not no. at all no but it, it's the scale, it's the murder scale. It's the murder scale starts at Heather's, you hit Jawbreakers, and then there's Mean Girls. So I think the problem is, if we can have just a tiny mini digression about Jawbreaker. Mm-hmm. In Jawbreaker, they accidentally murder their friend by putting a Jawbreaker in her mouth and then duct taping over her mouth in a fake kidnapping for her birthday party. Mm-hmm. That's, that's... The premise of Jawbreaker. The premise of Jawbreaker. So Mean Girls, obviously, no one is murdered. Although, Regina is accidentally hit by a bus. Yes. But no one no one is murdered in Mean Girls. Right. In Heathers, people are murdered on purpose. And it's dark. I think accidentally killing your best friend is, like, too dark. You can accidentally have someone get injured and then they're okay. Or you can purposefully kill somebody in a plot yes but accident man's manslaughter does not work on film manslaughter does not work on film it needs to be either the person is okay or premeditated homicide no middle ground no middle ground it shows in reality don't kill anyone also in this episode also in this episode uh the character of alec is played by michael truco Mm -hmm. who is anders on battlestar galactica Oh. Which I know I, you didn't I, watch I, I because... never watched, yeah. Yeah, he's the main character on Battlestar Galactica. Good for him. Yeah. It was uh, it was weird to see him. When he came up on screen, I was like, wait, is that Dirtbag Anders? Because Anders doesn't have, like, the Dirtbag look, but Alec definitely, definitely does. And I, I, I had to Google to confirm, and I'm like, oh, it is. It's Anders as a Dirtbag. All right, then. And the hotel manager uh, is an actor you have seen in lots of things. He's been in everything. He's he's a very solid fill-in actor. His name is Tom Yee. Tom Yee. You might know him as 
being uh, as you might know him as being Rabbi Chang, uh, Senior Chang's brother in Community. You might know him as Bobby Sue in uh, Superstar. These are both one episode appearances of the guy, but he he's a really solid fill in. Like if you need a guy, he is a really solid. He will deliver one punchline very very well. He's a random good place resident in the in the last season of The Good Place. Like yeah, he just he's been in. He's been working consistently for a really long time, and he's a, again, like, he's the guy you bring in if you want someone to deliver one really solid joke and then not be in the rest of a show. It's weird how he just, like, consistently works. Um, it, it's funny how there are all of these these actors, like, there's this... Eh, never mind, I'm too tired to go on about it. <laughs> all that. Right. All right, so I think that I think we'll do it with three for premonition. Let's go on to time freeze. Okay, this probably isn't the case, but I feel like Cabo as a vacation destination was really era specific to the like late nineties. It does feel early two thousands, late nineties. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right, it does. Were you going to talk about canceling plane tickets over the phone? Yeah, she had to call the airline to cancel their tickets. That's that's a very, very time freeze thing. I feel like I had another one, but I feel like I, I previewed one when we were talking, but eh, oh well. Was it a fashion thing? Mm-mm. All right. And that will take us to our last segment telekinesis what genuinely moved you this episode i suspect we'll have the the same one or, or similar ones because mine is uh piper with leo after he dies yeah piper piper at leo's deathbed it's uh, it's it's a tour de force from holly marie combs it's like she brings it this episode i can't imagine i i'm incapable of imagining a universe where charmed would win an emmy mm-hmm. but like that that's that's her emmy submission reel is that scene and then of course later when prue dies yeah well that would have been next year's emmy submission reel yeah but yeah so we complained a lot but this is a solid episode of charmed I, i'd go as far to say as you know i'd go as far as to say it's a highlight in season one yeah if if you were going to pair season one down to like five necessary episodes to watch this would probably make it i was gonna say if you're skipping over episodes don't skip this one yeah that's so funny i was gonna say i was gonna put it exactly the same way next time we're gonna be talking about episode 22 deja vu all over again bye bye andy after repeated unsuccessful attempts at trying to get the charmed ones rodriguez is aided by time sorcerer tempest fugates fugate fugit also repeated attempts like in that one episode because maybe you should have seated this character earlier if he's like the season ender well i in fact i don't think we've ever even said his name if you're not clear who rodriguez is it's the ia guy it's the internal affairs guy which if you're gonna have him be this season ender maybe build up to him more well it really that episode well, we'll talk about it, but I feel like from my memory, that episode is just another Monster of the Week episode. It just happens to be the last one that they air before they go on summer hiatus. Yeah. It also just happens to be the one where Andy dies. Yeah, but, you know. He could have died whenever. He could have died whenever. So that'll about do it. 
Yeah, I think that's going to do it for us for this week. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Kyle, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, and Benjamin. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Hallowell Manor. Mm-hmm.